Okay. Yeah, Out of nowhere. Synchronous. We can just synchronous trombones. Just play back and forth to each other. Excellent. Who needs a stream deck? Have you set up your road so you can hear it? Too? I just piped it in finally. Yeah. Finally. Oh, finally. You're back. I'm back. Hello. It's funny how much you get. I get like fooled that studio sound and descript isn't doing like just like the most heavy lifting. Because like if you turn it off where you recorded last time was fairly echoey and I didn't even really notice it until mm. I was editing and I turned off studio sound for a second. I was like, oh my God, this is like, it would have been like hard to listen to, I think for people that are used to normal yeah, right. quality and like it just fixed all of it. I didn't do anything. Wow. Yeah. Because I listening back, I was like, oh, this audio seems less affected than usual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's cool. I could still hear the birds. I had to pull down studio sound a little bit, so I think it wasn't killing your silence as much as normal. But I kind of liked them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounded good. Little uh, ambiance. Ambiance. Well, I've got a squeaky chair today. Might just it's a good ambiance. One of the buttons in Rode is trash talk. Ooh, look at that. Well, I know what I'm doing the rest of the time. Yeah. Just adding sounds. <laughs> winner, winner. How's the rest of your trip? Yeah, it's good. You know, as I message to on slack we had all the animals after we recorded all the excitement snakes in the yard snakes in laura's bed quite quite a traumatic 3 a.m wake up for poor laura she's like jim i think there's something in the bed and she like takes up the baby get my boots and pants back on and like lifting up the sheets carefully wondering what i'm gonna find and Bloody baby snake under the fitted sheet under Laura's back. What? what like, is so that it, was an exci- exciting morning? Is this normal? Like, has this happened? No, Do you find things in your in bed? bed? Nah. Okay, good. Nah. Good. That's a first. Mm. Thankfully. And thankfully, it wasn't. A, so, I'm too excited now. <laughs> so excited. Thankfully, it wasn't a venomous snake, although at three o'clock in the morning, we just assumed that it was, um, but did some Googling and research the next morning. Trapped it so we could inspect it in the light of day. Anyway, it was non-venomous, which was good, but still not a fun time. But, you know, added some excitement to the trip. Uh, yeah, but no, it was good. We had a good trip. It's nice. Hey, yeah, yeah. Got back at 3 a.m., with a flat tire in the car and then rolled into work a few hours later. So I was pretty tired on Monday. Yeah, I bet. It's good to be back, getting into things, feeling like we've got some momentum again. That's good. Yeah, there's a lot going on this week. How were things? I don't know why this would... I don't mean this to sound like a team couldn't handle it or like there was problems without you, but was it mm. was it smooth? Or were there things that you had it to was smooth. tackle when you got back? No, it was very smooth. I would hazard to say that it was probably my smoothest time away. That's amazing. To date, I think. Everything worked as far as I'm aware. But yeah, like it was very, very minimal contact. Unusually minimal contact with me while I was away, which was great. And your comment last week about like, go for one week. The problem will stick or whatever. Go for two weeks, the problem will be solved. Definitely had a sense of coming back and sort of seeing that people had just dealt with stuff and just made things happen, made decisions, mm-hmm. talked to each other about making decisions rather than talking to me. And yeah, that was cool. Cool to see. So you get back and you go, all right, pretend I'm not here. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was a good little mini reset because then this week I was a little bit more careful with question time of yeah. sort of thinking, all right, you, you solved this without me last week. Mm-hmm. Do I need to solve this this week? Do I need to be here? Can I just sleep in? No, not not in that sense. No, I know. Just more like... Just joking. Cool. Am I the right person to answer that? Yeah. Oh, it's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's happening at your end? Oh, I don't think I told you. In one of the things I was... Re- I think in my rant about alignment pins that I, that I vastly sped up last week, <laughs> Rob messaged me. He's like on Instagram. He's like, did you guys mean to like 2x the sound for a while in the podcast? <laughs> he's like, oh, wait, you just said you were doing it on purpose. Never mind. He's like, I already listened to like one and a half X, so it was like insanely fast. I just I just couldn't hear myself ramble that long, but it seemed there's too much other conversation to cut it out. So in my struggle with alignment pin tolerances and sourcing and all that, I made a little bit of a metric conversion mental error. And instead of making a slightly oversized hole for a five millimeter dowel, I made it quite large. I made it 5.3 millimeters instead of 5.003. So it was enormous, which would have been a way <laughs> bigger problem if it was if it was inches. <laughs> would have been like, you know, like eight millimeters oversized. It's like pl- plywood tolerances. Yeah. So I was very frustrated with myself because I got in Monday morning, I had everything set up Friday to like come in, tools were ready in the machine. I hadn't run it in a bit and start running. It's running great. I get the parts out, stick some, stick a dowel pin in it just to check about to go run some more. And I was like, oh my God, that's not even close. It's like, there's no point to a dowel (laughs) pin at this point. So luckily my local supplier had the right size, which took me a little bit. I'm not used to figuring out tolerances for stuff like that yet. Where like, I I realized that Mm. you can buy a reamer and basically any tenth of an inch that you want, so like one nine seven five, one nine seven six, and it's whether or not they have it locally or not. But I found one, cut those parts again yesterday, and they are amazing. The mill is running super good. I changed out some other tools, awesome. one of which has made a pretty big impact to like our rougher aluminum ruffers, like a three eighths rougher, and it was making giant chips, like good, right? Like they're ham operations, so it's creating like a almost inch tall chip just big fluffy chip it's cutting great but like it was taking up a ton of space and like kind of getting clogged at the back of the shoots and so i got a chip breaker from maritool for like five dollars more and it's got a longer longer cut length and it is i knew this from wood but it puts less spindle load so you can go faster too so it's like faster, mm-hmm. tiny chips that compact really nice. And it sounds like it's just under way less strain, which it's really not that much strain for it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a nice sequence of things. I've also switched out on a recommendation of somebody all of the drills to parabolic drills. I don't fully understand what mm-hmm. that means, but it's how the flutes, What's I that? think, are shaped, if I, if I understand it right. But they like are the pitch that I had heard from this person was that they're they can cut a like a straighter, more tolerance toll, and they seem to like make a better chip than like a standard twist flute drill. I don't know. I don't okay. understand. They're a little cool. more expensive, but they've been working amazing. So all told, I've changed a bunch of tools out, and it seems like it's been all for the better so far, which is nice. 
Mm, awesome. And are you just sort of making that up as you go along based on your own research? Or are you taking advice from people? It sounds like a jab. What? What do you mean? Which part? <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're a very diligent researcher. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, no, I was thinking about this morning, like, how thorough you were when we first started oh. setting up for the podcast. Like, you did all the research on the the bit rates and yeah. settings for exports and stuff so it all worked. And I was thinking about if I'd been in charge of that, I would have just been like, let's go. Oh, I don't know. Just re- press record and publish the damn thing. That's why like, I have a more successful business than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you're doing tooling research, are you, are you just going out there and just finding stuff and trying it? Or I mean, it's like translated knowledge approach? from like the chip breaker thing it was very obvious to me. I was thinking like, <laughs> these chips are huge. You know, it's causing a problem because, like, literally the bins you put them in to recycle, I can only take so many to the recycler at a time because, like, we're way too small to have them come pick it up, that it's not worth it. And so part of that was just, like, it's taking up too much space. I have to manage it back at the back of the machine. What would solve that? And I was like, well, what about a chip breaker, you know, for a rougher? That was pretty obvious. The Some of it's just from, like, like, the, I forget his name. There's a nice guy that always gives me tips every once in a while, especially with the metal stuff. When I post a story and it's like, I don't remember, I was showing a drill or something a while back and he suggested, oh, try these Goering parabolic drills. They're a little more expensive. They're amazing Ooh. though. And I was like, noted. So I started buying those to like, I mean, it's like between seven and $12 for a drill instead of like two to $6. So it's like definitely more expensive, okay. but they don't really like wear out in aluminum very fast. So, yeah. And then honestly, I'll ask friends a lot whenever I can't figure it out. People, Nick Polonoski and others that know more about machining than I do. And they're always very generous to give suggestions. Mm, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Nice, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I had a meeting with Finland last night. The country. The yeah, the country. I spoke to Finland. Damn. Um, with with a with a rep, a sales rep from Vivid Platform, hmm. Vivid Works, which is a three D configurator platform that oh. I think Jay discovered during the week. A new one we hadn't come across before, and we all got very excited because it was the first time we'd come across one of these off the shelf. Yeah. configurators that has seems to actually have drag and drop functionality so i feel like every configurator i've looked at over the last few years it's like it's a sofa and you can change <laughs> the colors the number of things and change the colors <laughs> and like change whether there's a an armrest or no armrest and oh, thanks it seems to be all the same sort of stuff so this was the first one i came across where i was like oh this looks like you can put a cabinet in and move it around and then put another cabinet next to it and then move it up Ooh. and like and i came across it well jay i don't know where we found it but through another furniture website called montana.dk and it has decent drag and drop functionality anyway during this demo meeting with this Finnish rep last night, she showed me some other demos, one of which I'll put in the show notes, which is by far the closest mm. we've come across to what we want in terms of dropping in elements and nice little snap points that you Sweet. drag them around. Anyway, so pretty I excited guess. about that. Sorry, I did not mean to do that. <laughs> Trying to drag it and I clicked it. Get off your buttons. And yeah, 
was I going to say? So we're getting we're getting pricing on that <laughs> in the next 24 hours, hopefully. And it's got a full Shopify integration coming <coughs> very coming. soon. Ooh. So it can be that old thing. That old thing. It's kind of, It's got Woo full Woo commerce integration at the moment. Shopify is not far away. They're saying, and it means you can link it to all your SKUs and have Shopify drive pricing and materials and stuff directly into the platform. But yeah, exciting. That's very cool. Do you think it's going to take a lot of customization to get your things in there? Like you have to pay them a lot to do that or is it like pretty self-service like you could do it? It's pretty self-service. I got them to give me a tour of the back end and it looks like a pretty functional interface where you can up- upload your OBG models and set set product rules and snap points and stuff like that. It looks fairly intuitive. So I reckon with Jay's skills of being able to hopefully integrate it into our store and then our 3D assets and stuff, I reckon it'll be something we can build ourselves for the most part. Yeah. But TBC, we'll see We'll see what the pricing comes back at. On their website, it suggests that it can cost up to 700 euros a month, whatever that is. I'm looking but, at the pricing right now and I was laughing because yeah. they have a coming soon for the cheapest plan. <laughs> It's 125 euro a month. It's like, when is that going to come? Like ever? I thought that was funny too. So yeah, we'll see. That's cool. See I mean, at 700, it's like expensive, but like, like you're saying in the scheme of, especially if it makes it so much, like I always think about it like this, if you consider the cost of somebody supporting people through email, through the time that they're spending to communicate and then the lost amount of sales through that process of people not being able to get their answer and purchase mm. like compulsively basically it's probably yeah. getting up there when you consider if you're doing what 10 of those a month 10 custom court order like quotes like how much time that's costing somebody that it's still it's yeah it seems like a lot but i'm sure it's worth it at your scale I, yeah i think it could really could really be worth it like we were willing to or about to sort of invest we had twenty five thousand dollars put aside for a custom solution so even if you just spread that over a year, that's like two thousand dollars a year, a month, sorry, of potential budget that we could put to something out to another platform. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, that's cool. See how we go. Yeah, I'll just start doing Nackwall again. I can use this. And I was thinking about your Nackwall as I was playing with it. <laughs> it would be yeah, potentially a really nice solution for it. There's also one if other when you come back to that yeah. world. I've thought about, the thing I've honestly thought about lately is like trying to sell the IP to it, like just all the things we've developed. I have no idea how to do that, but just in considering, I always try to like keep my mind open of like, there's a ton of effort and time and development into those things. And it's not like groundbreaking, but Mm. basically you'd be saving somebody else all that time of development to figure it out, to source different things, to methods of making certain parts. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I've never tried to do anything like that. Just kind of as more of a curiosity of like, I wonder what that might be worth. It's definitely not what I put into it. Mm. No. Yeah, no, look, I think if I didn't have my own wall system in development, I'd be like, that would be piquing my interest right now. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I just had a sort of like, it did just pique my interest as you were saying that. And then I looked around me. I was like, oh, that, that's right, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Down. Put that thought away. Put that thought away. 
I've got a version for you. It's look at this trip. Ready I've to drive off the lot. Either side of me. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I th- I put that yeah. in here as like a like a what's the kid kid config update? Thinking like you'd say like well it played with that bubble thing. You're like I want to see that uh, you actually have quite a more promising, quicker solution. It's nice. Yeah. Well, I got got back and Jay had been thinking about it in the time I was away as well and Jay had come to the we'd both kind of over that week come to the conclusion of like we don't think I don't think we should be investing all this money in a custom Mm -hmm. code base that Mm -hmm. is then going to have to be maintained by someone else and we might change our mind in a year's time and want to redo it and like so we both had sort of swung around to the off the shelf yeah options again because the other exciting thing about this vivid works platform is it looks like that we could potentially use it for multiple products within the same platform like it wouldn't be limited to kit we could potentially load in our other shelving systems and our modular crates and potentially do a lot mm-hmm. more than just a single product family so 3d room designer yeah wow yeah it's another one of their products huh yeah i mean They've made a very nice landing page that's very tantalizing. It's like all the things you want to see for what we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, this week, I've been back in compost land a little bit, which has been fun. Kind compost. of reinvigorating to shovel some compost. And again, came back to like, we've got way too much sawdust and not enough room in our bins. And so we just sort of, I just bit the bullet yesterday morning and just, Shoveled out all our more mature compost out mm-hmm. the front into the garden, made room for it. new sawdust, and kind of triggered me to just think about all those plastic tubes that I got almost six months ago now. But I need to revisit that project and get back into building my compost machine. Mm-hmm. The compost. Hopefully, make some time for that this year. I, I, I was just thinking how it'd be really sweet little like brand piece for you to do like a who did the cradle to cradle book, but it's basically like that idea of like uh, yeah. where you start with material and like document it kind of like Wes Anderson style through how you make it <laughs> in your solar factory and then like what's it turn into dirt and then put a dotted line back up to trees, come back into, you know. Yeah. You can donate your your sawdust to the tree farms, your sawdust <laughs> compost. But it'd just be nice, like, even if it's really simple, like, it'd be, you're already saying it in other ways. I'd, I'm just visual, I guess. Yeah, I've thought about little pieces like that and things I'd like to make. The other thing we want to do this year is instead of, we've, we've had bad luck with offsets in the last couple of years, like carbon offsetting programs where there hasn't been a great deal of clarity about what where the money's going or like whether the offsets are true sort of serialized yeah. offsets mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's kind of it's quite a confusing world and it's hard to get clear answers from anybody. Anyway, yeah. we're in a spot now where we have, we're looking to reallocate our 1% of revenue that we have previously put towards just a single organization. Sure. And we found this place, a local, relatively local place that does like tree planting days and you can take your whole team and actually just spend a day in a paddock planting trees. So we really want to do that year, do that this year as well. Like instead of just paying the money and kind of not thinking about what it's doing or where it's going, actually physically go out and 
mm-hmm. spend a couple of days doing that as a team, which would be just a fun thing to do, but also just, I don't know, more real. Yeah, definitely. Than sinking money into offsets. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's, that's nice. Yeah. Aspirations for a further company situation for me. <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah. We've been kind of, it's kind of nothing I planned on talking about, but I've been quite on the kick of, I started in early December of like looking for ways to liquidate things we had purchased that needed, needed a little mm. cash. And we hadn't sold our old air compressor. I had an old vice, just like weird things. Bought another 3D printer. thought we should get rid of one of those. It's kind of got me on the kick of just like every time it's just like, listening to Saunders, it's like every time I walk around the shop now, I'm like, that needs to go. Just like, you know, it's like once you start the the <laughs> flow of it, it's way easier to keep making those changes. And like we've put a, put a decent amount of time. I think I said that here. Largely Ricky, I jump in every once in a while and I bought some organization panels for the little acro bins. And we've like started to really dial in the shipping area, which is turning out to be a lot better. I think the last step is really just like getting a computer there because everything's there except for you can't make labels or like just, you know, finally type in the details of a a package. You have to go somewhere else still, but that's kind of the last step for that. But it just feels like things are kind of coming together in in a nice way. That's taken a long, long time. It really helps to like mm. have some clarity around for so long. It was like, there's something about the job shop work of what we did with the router that the scale variances and like all the ways that it could change between like, oh, we start with a log and plane it and joint it. And then it goes on the router at some point, but then it also has to be sanded. It still could be huge. There's something about the product yeah. side that's we so much more like, focused and like satisfying mm-hmm. to like start to organize for it just feels like the other thing Absolutely. was just like like hurting cats in terms of like the way you organize your shop so yeah nice. yeah i can relate to that yeah switching from the sort of big joinery job with all these cabinets that fill the workshop and have to get picked up on a huge truck Mm-hmm. versus, you know, some small parts that need to go in a box and get shipped out to the customer. That's yeah. just like such a massive, massive, ra- massive range across all processes involved, not just packaging and dispatch, but it's like, yeah, it's lovely when you can focus on product in that way and sort of, yeah, refine the processes around it. And that's it's very why, satisfying. Yeah, I just, this is, that's why I'm so excited about this kit of parts builder because I want to blow it up. I feel like there's potential there to blow it up <laughs> like i want to get to a point where we can't keep up oh and we need another pencil sharpener or you know whatever yeah. else is required to support multi-headed router so you can cut the holes at the same time on both sides <laughs> <laughs> yep see it <laughs> crazy yeah. those things yeah but meanwhile meanwhile we're still quoting plenty of custom work uh aaron has taken on the role of sales manager Mm-hmm. This year, so other than little bits and bobs, I'm out of custom sales at the moment, which feels good actually. But freeing up some time to focus on some bigger picture stuff again, slowly dra- dragging my brain back into a sort of product development, business development space. Yeah, nice. But yeah, I see your note about qualification. 
Have you had <laughs> have you had issues with this? Well, it's an interesting phrase. I I don't I think it's the same idea as what I'm as what I'm meaning, but Ricky and I had a pretty decent talk yesterday because I've had I do all of the quoting and I'll ask him questions about like if he thinks this is a good, you know, like trying to get a gauge of an idea or if it's a good job or and I just kind of went through a whole yeah. realm of things that was trying to focus what we're going to take his work, you know, and for, it's just so weird. Cause it's like at the end of the year, I was really, we were really struggling to like just have the right amount of revenue that things were making sense. Products are still not fully supporting us. And then we won a couple of decent sized jobs in th- this month. And now it's like, Oh, everything's fine. You know, that whole like <laughs> sine wave thing. And so yeah. trying to plan for that a little differently, but it, it's always clear every time that you're in the top, of the the good side of that situation that there's just a size of job that just makes no sense for your company, whoever you are, right? Like it could be a yeah. hundred bucks if you're small, it could be a thousand dollars if you're a huge, a big company. It's like, it seems insane. I'm sure a lot of you might relate to this, but it's like, frankly, at $500 of a job, we like can barely make money on that. Because if you consider the mm-hmm. material cost, all the time put into all the different aspects so that people think it's a lot of money. And if I was a consumer looking to spend money to have something small cut, I would think that's crazy. I'm never going to pay that. And I agree, but really it's like, I'm, I can't be here to like make everybody small project, you know, like we've talked about this, you know, at length. So how do you say no the best way? Because every (laughs) time I try a different way over the years, it has come to be met with, why? Why can't you take my job? There's never just like a, oh, mm. thank you, that's a, sorry, or like silence. It's like I try to make it as kind and just like, this isn't right for us or we don't have the staff or, but it, it just never quite works. And so I was like wondering if you had some secret, okay. like, here's how I say no <laughs> and it works. Uh, we try and use our quoting form to qualify small jobs out by just clearly stating what our minimum value job is and that value has crept up over the last couple of years as we've sort of refined it Mm -hmm. i think because for a long time there we said you know minimum cnc 150 bucks yeah you know and that'll do like the micro job yep with you know an offcut of material and a couple of parts and then we worked out that we weren't making any money on those jobs and that they just were never working out for us so we're like cool we'll scrap that and then yep, yep. Aaron did some calculations a couple of years ago and was like yeah I think our minimum job should be 500 bucks mm-hmm. based on like a sheet of material and this much programming time this much machine time I'm like cool we ran that for a while and then maybe about six months ago we're like actually this still isn't working let's put our minimum still isn't working but also we're spending too much time considering these them. smaller jobs Considering them, looking yeah. at them, downloading people's files, yep. emailing back and forth. But we're like, cool, this still isn't worth our time. We'd need to be focused on jobs within like the three to $5,000 range. Yeah, for sure. So then we put our minimum up. I think I looked at the form this morning. It's like, it says $1,200. When you're submitting a quote form, it's like the minimum. We put in a range of budgets that people can pre-select of where they think they sit. Same. And 1200 is the minimum. And I don't feel like that gets questioned. A lot of people submit the form with that 
base budget range because it's the lowest one available yep. and then it turns out in conversation that they don't actually want to spend that much, which is totally fair enough, but yep, because yep. it was the minimum, they just tick, tick the box. Um, but I feel like that has gone a long way to reducing the number of little jobs we're quoting for sure. It just it qualifies yep. people out before they even get to us. Same trajectory. And I think I've, I've always tried to be pretty straight up with people too in terms of if there is that question of why. Mm-hmm. of like trying to be generous with the explanation of like, well, it takes us, you know, typically it takes us this long to program. This is These are our sort of costs around that, you know, yep. without getting too crazy detailed, trying to be generous with like, well, this is what it actually costs us and we've found that we just don't make any margin on jobs under this size. So yep. it just doesn't work for us, unfortunately. You know, I'd love to be able to cut your little widget, but... Just, I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, that's why we started the business. We wanted to service people who couldn't afford to go to the bigger laser cutter and get their parts cut. So, 100% appreciate people that want those jobs done. But that's just not us anymore, I guess. Yeah, there's other people out there. I really struggle with that same, something Ricky said to me. He's, that was nice and he's could be just shining me on me. He's like, I, I know you really want to help people get these things done, but it doesn't make sense. You know, like, and mm-hmm. I, I had the same thought when I started doing stuff is like, we used to have this thing called the maker's guarantee or something like that. I'd come up with this very minimal thing of like, you know, if, because it was like at some point, I think the minimum was, we didn't have a minimum or something. It was like very, very yeah. low, like you're talking about. And eventually creep it up. And then I still felt I had this like feeling of wanting like, oh, this isn't this isn't community minded. Like I, you know, I would have never been able to afford this starting out. And it was important for me to be able to like make stuff that I couldn't I didn't have a big CNC to like make these things. And so I just kept thinking, like, oh, I want to still help those people, the small furniture makers, and and eventually had to get, get get rid of that too, because it was just like Part of that idea was that you need to provide us ready to cut files, very minimal interaction with this situation so that we can just cut your uh, files <clears throat> and, you know, it's it works for both of us. And it just never worked. Like part of that problem with the small job, in my opinion, has always been a problem of if you go below the minimums of what you've pre-decided that made sense for your business, something always goes wrong always goes wrong you need a new sheet of material the parts didn't come out as they expected so then like there's a redo and it's like oh well we probably should have communicated that and normally in a normal job we'd like fix it and still be within a margin and it's just like it never works out when you go super small job so yeah i don't know i i don't i we did the same thing with our form through the bulk of last year while we're doing the NACWAL kind of development stuff and product development, I had raised the minimum to like a thousand, I think, and got far less, far less inquiries, but I still get them all the time where it's like, you know, like I put the minimum, but I, I, you know, I'd like it to be less than that. And it's just like, you still, I just always have this, this kind of nagging conversation of not knowing how to kindly say like, you know, no, just like all the time now it feels like where it's always on the lower end, I think, because we've made it easy for people mm-hmm. to like that don't know much to like kind of educate and then you know inquire and then like there's a whole process to that of like 
having to kind of help them on, which when it's a $5,000 job, that works, but that's unaccounted for time too when it's a $500 job. So, yeah, there's, there's, like, there's unicorns as well. Like, mm-hmm. there are exceptions. Like, our, mm-hmm. our biggest client who puts hundreds of thousands of dollars through our books every year <laughs> first came to us five years ago with a little MDF CNC routing job. Yeah. Of like, oh, I need three MDF panels cut with these holes in them. Wow. And like that was the beginning of that relationship. And, you know, at the time we were saying yes to everything. We weren't, we weren't qualifying jobs at all. Um, and, you know, it just struck up a really good rapport with this person. And, you know, they really liked the way we worked and this relationship developed, which, you know, years later now we're working together really closely and doing a huge amount of work together. So, got to be care- Yeah. I think, you know, I think that was a rare, I call it a unicorn, but like, I don't think you can just leave the gates open in the hope that that's going to happen all the time. But I think it is important to qualify people fairly. And so you're not doing the wrong sort of work, but also just being open to conversations and opportunities. And that's what I like about qualification happening on the, that's why I like qualifying people on the phone. Finally, I've come around to that concept of like, never used to like picking up the phone, but now I think it's really important to like, pick up the phone and get on the phone to customers and just because there's so much more that can come out of that than an email exchange I think mm. even just the explanation thing of like oh why can't we do your job you can just sort of be more yep. human in terms of your tone. like ex- exp- tone and explanation of like why that doesn't work for our business anymore yeah I, there's two things that not to dwell on this forever but two things that came up mm. thinking about that I always consider too I've trained some people marginally over time to help with quoting two or yep. three. And I, I was caught myself thinking about that the other day of like, if I had to create boundaries for what we quoted, what the minimum jobs were for other people, I would probably expect that they're not constantly breaking those boundaries, right? Like we have a minimum, but then mm. let's go underneath it a bunch all the time. But but then exactly what you're describing, I think one of our better clients was they needed a, pro- a couple of prototypes and you, you probably get this all the time too, where people say, oh, and I do it, I do it myself, where we get a couple of prototypes made saying, well, if, you know, if this goes well, we'll, we'll make 50 or 100 of these. Yeah. Never happens. Never happens. But in the case <laughs> no. of like one of our better clients, it happened. And it was like probably less than our minimum yeah. at the time. And we took it. Mm-hmm. And now we get six orders a year for, you know, five digits, six digits. And it's like... Yeah. Same thing. I, I don't know. It's impossible, but it's like if you were giving Aaron advice and, and maybe they were more of a uh, junior person that didn't have the knowledge of how to choose in the moments, like how do you make those boundaries that are, you know, you, you just kind of have to say use your gut for when it makes sense to break the, the law, <laughs> I guess. I know. It's really hard to communicate <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You've been no help. Come on. No, I'm joking. I just, I just kind of always have these conversations with myself and I come back to the same, like, oh, I thought I made some progress there. And it's like, nope, still just as hard as it was before. Shut it all down. You know what the answer is? No custom work. Product only. <laughs> same, same solution there. Just get rid of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except for that. Cool. We just got like the biggest job we've ever gotten this month. And I'm like, yay, I can eat again. Yay. Yeah. Custom word. Excellent. Glad to hear it. 
that's what's happening in Software Corner. We so need far. a button for Software Corner. That's That'll good. do for That's today. Good. Corner, my upsell app that I brought up back when I started using Shopify mm. for the CNC stuff, I just glanced at it and it kind of doesn't show very well like the current month, but I, if you go look in Airtable, mm. I sent you some screenshots. Yeah, yeah. I think it's telling me far more impressive graphs than the numbers, but in the last, especially December, it seemingly went off and converted far more like upsells and cross sells than it ever had. And again, this is mm. somehow a free app. I think it like was based on that we had just started our store, but their prices are really cheap. And there's a lot of versions of this thing where it's like a upsell app for Shopify. But like cool. it's not crazy numbers, but for us and the revenue we're at, like supposedly in December the conversion yeah. was 32% on upsells and cross sells, which is insane. I think there's some kind of glitch potentially there. But it just continues to like Yeah be beneficial for like no friction for the customer seemingly fantastic looks yeah. great yeah the impressive little graphs <laughs> going on there. they look really nice yeah mm. very nice cool all right and my software update is jay has been noodling around with a new wiki solution I saw that currently all our standards live in airtable like, let's just put them in their table. They're all in the same place. Yep. Everyone can go and find them if they need them. But Jay and I have sort of been talking about for ages, like, well, you know, you've got this nice, you've got nice wikis going on. Always been a bit envious of yours and just want something that's just a bit more, a bit more rich to edit and easier mm -hmm. to, for people to read and interpret. Anyway, Jay's been noodling around with this new one. And I haven't yet opened it, but I've seen the look on Jay's face and I'm excited to have a look at it because they're obviously pretty pumped. They did like a Zapier synchronization from Airtable to this platform. Oh, really? Guru or whatever it's called. Wow. And it was just like, and just sucked all our oh. data out of Airtable into it. Into it, And um, it's got nice little cards that integrate with Slack natively and... That's about as much as I know at this point. So I'll dig into it this week and have a look. But I remember finding that app when I was searching around. I don't remember when. The thing that I continue to like want more and more is just like it's basically the traditional ERP where it's all one thing and it integrates with itself. With like I don't want to have tickets yeah. separate from a chat app, separate from the knowledge base. I think that was mm -hmm. the limitation. But I mean, this one looks amazing. Otherwise, is it just a, a pure knowledge base? It looks very slick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's what we were chasing was just that yeah. knowledge base sure. functionality. Makes um, sense. Mm. Yeah, cool. I mean, free for three users. Cool. So if you just fire five people, you're I fine. Know. Fine. No, I reckon we'll be able to structure it within that free plan easily sure. enough. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. Mm -hmm. You've been buying computers. I have not bought a computer. But I was a little a little put off that the semi-pro version of the computer I just bought last year has been out-upped by the new Mac 2 Pro? Mac 2 oh, Mac Mini M2 Pro. Got the names. Oh, um, new Mac Mini. Cool. I saw a little MKBHD video. You follow that guy at all? It's like does tech mm. videos on YouTube that yeah, are like yeah. gorgeous. And he posted some initial mm -hmm. reaction video and he said the the line that 
killed me was the start of the video was this M2 Pro Mac Mini is now more powerful than the base Mac Pro that's like five grand. <laughs> what the hell? And I was like, what? Wow. And then he shows some benchmark tests that have been done and it it beats my my processor currently. And the one thing I guess it Damn. does this the studio still does better than I have. The graphics stuff is still a little bit better. So it's not a crazy amount of difference, yeah. but this computer is like base price is twelve hundred, thirteen hundred USD, I think, which mine was like 1900 so i didn't spend a crazy amount more mm-hmm. but it's just like how do they keep doing this like these computers are like i know it's bungus they, they have a mac mini right now that's 599 us at anyway well we're just used to paying so much for them i think maybe that's part of it yeah it says yeah, all the yeah, windows yeah. heads listening to this <laughs> you guys are just cheap mm, cool 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 mm. should we Cha-ching. wrap it up mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm going to go build a snowplow for the forklift, I think. Summertime, so okay, I'm interested. <laughs> just just tended on that. <laughs> we'll cut right right after that. It's perfect. Cut. Yeah. Cool. No idea what that means, but I like it. Our forklift cool key is dying, and I have had to jump it with a battery jumper twice. It seems the battery is no not idea. keeping a charge. We don't use it daily, so we're going to have to start jumper mm-hmm. starting it more often or something. Yeah. It's the greatest it's feeling when you get a delivery incoming and they're like, rup, rup, rup. I'm mean, like, oh, got to unload that by hand now. <laughs> Shouldn't have worn this tuxedo. Awesome. Cool, man. Yep. Have, have a good, good day. weekend. Yep. 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 Bye. Wait. Delete. <laughs> delete. I'll put some glue sticks in there. Three eighths, roughly 10 mil. Half inch. 12, that 12 sounds and a right. half. Mm. I mean, mm. yep. Bye. Bye.